Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Catributor podcast. And today's guest is Flamba, who probably doesn't need an introduction, but you want to introduce yourself anyway. Hello. Okay, that's great. So uh, let's start with the, the first topic, I guess. Wargaming has finally graced us with another death block, and it's about submarines, because we haven't talked about them enough yet. Well, spicy topic straight off the back. Yeah, it's a bit of a mix of things. So we have some mechanical changes, but probably the thing we're going to want to talk about first is that instead of putting them into randoms for the next round of testing, they're going to put them on the live server, but they're going to do a special season of ranked. Mm. Okay. 10.7. Yeah. I haven't really been through the dev blog. Um because of my eyes recently have I've been like struggle reading. But I do remember that brilliant idea of wargaming to put them in, in rank system. Because as we all know, that's how you implement stuff. You put it in any form of competitive. And then of course you spread it to your regular um game. I mean it's just a logical way of things in, in, in life. So we should, we should maybe point out for those that don't know that, that Flambass has very recently had some laser eye surgery. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's not just old age. <laughs> no, no, it's not old age. It's the, the eye laser surgery that actually takes like a month to recover from. And I'm currently halfway there, hoping that within the next week or so, it's going to be... I'm going to be fully operational battle station. Ready to laser people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> laser eyes. Yes, so <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Currently still recovering, so yeah. Oh, fingers crossed that all goes nice and smoothly. So so yeah, ranked. Yeah, that's what we want. Subs and competitive. And the ranked season will last for 11 weeks and it will start with 10.7. So I think the next patch is 10.6, right? So the patch after the next subs will already be on the live server and then there'll be 11 choice weeks of rank. Yes. It does also note they'll be available in co-op battles as well. Oh, yes. Which and they will be available weeks. through bundles. Everyone's favorite distribution Yay. method. <laughs> Wait, so they won't they won't be available like a tech tree ship. They will be selling them as premium ships? I, I don't know if it's going to be selling. I bet it'll be tied to missions. I it'll mean... Be, it'll be, I bet they do some kind of token system because they do love their temporary tokens. Mm. Oh, when you mentioned bundles, you meant there was like 50 random bundles in a line where you have to open the one before oh, the other. Not, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I got that Polish commander. Like, what was it? Uh, it had like 65 bundles. I got it on 63rd or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So yeah, there are some, there's some mechanical changes as well, as I said. Um, they are tweaking it so that being surfaced will slowly regen your dive capacity, so it's not just going to be a fixed thing anymore. So a Kind of going back to, you know, the oxygen and battery system that we've tried previously, but it sounds like it will be a quite a slow refresh rate. I do find it hilarious how everything that 
you know, that was even remotely realistic that had to do with submarines in World War II is completely opposite what we're getting in-game. You know, oxygen? Nah. Tried it, didn't work, ditch it. Uh, batteries? Nah. Tried it, didn't work, ditch it. Okay, let's invent diving capacity, but <laughs> let's not allow subs to go deeper than they actually can. Let's not put the hull integrity. Um, the the depth doesn't actually play that big of a role. Um, you can't. That's kind of fun if you could you, you could sort of go to unsafe depths and take exactly. damage if you're doing it. Exactly, because that's what the real submariners did as well. They 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 literally had to put their lives on the line. And in order to try and throw the depth charges off or destroy whatever warship was throwing them, they would go deeper and deeper and deeper um, because they were hoping that the enemy warship thinks, you know, this is their maximum operational depth. They can't go deeper than that. So we don't need to, you know, rig our depth charges to go any deeper. And then if they did go deeper and stayed alive, they would be somewhat safe. Of course, there was always the danger of getting pushed even further by depth charges, and once the hull gives, you're gone. But um, I think in, in Silent Hunter and, and in some other games that are like proper submarine games, if that's if that's your thing, um, the, the hull integrity plays a major role. Like, if you sustain damage, um, suddenly you can't go as deep as you would like. And if your hull integrity is at max, you might even go deeper than you think, but then your hull integrity starts giving up and you better leave that depth or you're never going to. Um, but this is all too complicated for World of Warships player base and Wargaming's eyes. We're all too stupid to understand this. So, you know, let, let's just put, uh, C and F three or four depths and, uh, have a blast, right? Yeah, that's actually what yeah. they are keeping. They they don't give you free control back. They decided to stick with fixed levels. Yeah, you would think that once they gave us that control, which we were also very much asking for and begging, because it really puts a lot of... Um, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm not going to call it immersion, but it just feels better. It, it feels more interesting, and subs are not exactly super interesting to play in World of Warships, unfortunately. Um, and, and when they give away, uh, sorry, when they take away that option from you to actually play with the sub depth, they just took away a major part. It, it certainly, that was by far, uh, whichever test that was, where we, we had that option. One before this. Um, I can't remember now, but it, yeah, it certainly made the sub versus sub fights a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, I, I don't know if they've really given any reasoning as to why they're doing this. I mean, there was the, the no. immunity uh, exploit, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah, but there's but, other ways to deal with that. Yeah, it's like, it's, could, could they not find a way to fix that? Or did, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, Kind of disappointing. I definitely agree there. I mean, what they could have done, for example, what they could have done is make it so that you're allowed to play with your depth uh, the way that you want to. But when you approach these critical uh, parts of depth, which might be, you know, between 5.9 and 6.1, um, your submarine 
cannot go that close. You have to go immediately to five, for example, or immediately to six or immediately to seven, or you make it a couple of meters. Like every time you try to go up, your sub goes few meters. They don't have to put like only three or four depths and, and call it even. Hmm. I mean, th- there's a lot of meters to play with and there's a lot of leniency they could have introduced um, or, or, or force you to go somewhere once you commit, introduce checkpoints and such. Like, I don't know. There, there's, there's, there's a bunch of ways. I'm sure we could sit down and in a couple of hours come up with 10 different solutions, which wouldn't, which would still, you know, let you control your sub and not just click a couple of different depths and that's it. The the reason they stated it it does not create unnecessary complications in controls. Oh yeah, it's one of those we don't trust the players. Because <laughs> going up and down is is very you know it's like a whole extra dimension which is obviously going to be really confusing. I mean, just look at it. Now with fixed levels, ships are already getting snuck, like surface ships, because they can't even manage the map for, uh, you know, fixed levels. Imagine if you could freely control your sub. Subs, uh, subs would be stuck everywhere. It, well, it, it's actually amazing how completely opposite Wargaming as a company are in, in terms of what they do and their, their mind process and everything that they deal with. Like, now that they're finally layering the the seabed and where you might actually finally have a chance to i don't know put your sub on the ground right mm-hmm. and um maybe try to put yourself in a ditch somewhere and see if that helps um and, and stuff like that and and not to mention if they would introduce this critical depth or you can go as deep as you want and and have fun um now they took away the option to actually manually play with a submarine, and now we're back to those automatic controls, go up or down, and and that's it. It's just, if they did that in the beginning, which they did, it, it made sense. And then one of the first and most important and repeated feedbacks we given them was, give us the manual control. So they did, and then they were like, nah, no, 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 no. This is too fun, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, fun it, is clearly do, not allowed. I do remember that that was a very, very requested thing, and the yeah. fact that we had we had it to play with, and that it actually did bring some measure of fun when fighting against other subs in particular, and you know, frantically diving because someone's dropping uh, depth charges on you or whatever. That 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 was the the thing that wargaming struggles with very much. It's like one of their fundamental uh, problems in the matrix is being able to define what fun is and how much (laughs) of it we need it. Because uh, I can tell you one thing, two that I can remember, two of the most requested feedback features in terms of what the players would like was give us the manual control of the depth and um, give us deck guns. We want to use deck guns. Now, if you stop and think about it, actually, how much use you would have out of this deck gun? Very little to none. But if you have, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to shoot some random numbers out of my ass here. Let's say 75, 90%, whatever, majority of the feedback that you see 
people are telling you, give us deck guns. And you try to tell them, but your deck guns will be very futile and, and it's going to be unnecessary risk. We don't care. Give us that. Then fucking give us deck guns, bro. Give me that 88 so I can light, I don't know, a Bismarck on fire with one secondary shell when I hit his superstructure and, and I don't know, damage his whatever. If that's what the players want, then let them. And, and look at the, look at the, what, what's really important about this, look at the amount of armor and health the submarines have. Deck guns would not be useless against each other. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the whole surface sub-v-sub battle would make a lot more sense. It, there, there would be something to do. It, mm-hmm. They wouldn't just rely on these torpedoes, which some reload far longer than the others and so on. But now that they've finally given us deck guns, they made it secondary. So. Yeah, of course, we needed more RNG in the game. I mean, if I remember correctly, didn't the way back in Halloween of 2018, when we had the, the, the scenario, which was the very first introduction of submarines in any form, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure some of those subs had, like, secondary deck guns on them as well. I so they've kind that. of been a thing from the very start. But it's just taken this long for. Oh, are you sure? The, uh, are you sure they weren't just decoration, like I'm aesthetic? I'm pretty sure there was at least one of the subs that had, like, they didn't all have them, but at least one of them had Maybe. some kind of some kind of uh, secondary deck gun. Yeah, but it, but it's not even about how useful these things would be. Not to mention in a sub v sub where their idea is clearly to make you spend most of the game on the surface anyway, uh, with a with a recent test that we had, which was pretty ridiculous. Because yeah. um, then you just end up as a terrible destroyer. It, it, it was just it was just so stupid. Like such a, I was like my my major fear with subs in wargaming was I have a feeling they're coming and they're coming soon. Based on the what, two, three, four test iterations that we had? I was like, I'm pretty sure, based on everything Wargaming is saying, no matter how opposite it is from the actual feedback, um, I'm pretty sure, knowing Wargaming, that they want to introduce subs soon. Like, they think they're ready. And that's the dangerous part. When Wargaming thinks something is ready, while everybody else is screaming in agony, no, 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 no. (laughs) And they're like, no, no, it, it is fine, comrade. This is ready. And what they do is instead of actually releasing subs, thank thank God, um, they give us another test iteration. And I'm thinking, okay, based on the last test iteration we had before this one, this is gonna be it. This is the last one. We they they have all the feedback. They tested oxygen, batteries, replenishment, depth, consumables, torpedoes. There's very little stuff they haven't touched yet, which is what we're getting now, and everything else fine-tuned, right? And then subs are coming off the test after this. What they do is they literally neglected the entire test phase we had before. They took all the fun parts away, and they they backtracked to the very first test iteration we had with some changes. And it, it really scared me because now I'm sitting and thinking they still think they got it ready, <laughs> but they literally just went all the way back to the start. So 
now I'm even more afraid because that when the subs do arrive, they're going to be even worse than I could have possibly hoped for because they don't seem to learn at all. It, it, it's just the, the stuff that they changed plays a major role uh, um, not only in the game mechanics, but how much fun you're supposed to have with these things. And, um, you know, that that's one of the things that Wargaming is really struggling to define. Fun and how much you need it. It kind of sometimes feels like that the idea, like that they're sort of quite resistant to change in a way. So whatever idea they initially have, it it feels like they always try and bend Introduce everything back it, to yeah. that, regardless of what you know feedback and data they might pick up along the way. And it, it rarely seems like you see any really radical changes when it seems that, you know, sometimes such changes are necessary. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that, they finally said something about the matchmaking also in the dev block. They, they said, yeah, a lot oh. of people gave them the feedback that they should increase the number of ships from like 12 to 50. Uh, obviously, yeah. they're not going to do that because they said the balance <laughs> is built around the interaction of a certain number of ships. Changing it would lead to complete reconfigure all the ships in the game. Basically, they are using our argument, but they're twisting it around, right? We, we're saying, you know, the maps are designed for 12 ships, and now they're probably less because so many are under the surface. And they said, yes, they're designed for 12 ships, so it's, we can't add more. That's their argument. Since when does Wargaming provide arguments that make sense? <laughs> like, I, I stopped reading dev blogs with the, with the, with a hope, like an actual realistic hope that what I read is going to make sense and be a logical step in progress a long time ago. They don't. They, like, like, like Pointy just, just mentioned, that's exactly what Wargaming does. They have their mindset set upon whatever the hell decision they made, and they're going to see it through, or it's going to be the last time they're ever called Wargaming. They never scra uh, scrap their projects. They, they're going to get released one way or the other, that's number one. And number two, it's going to be their way if they have any say in it. And of course they have, it's their decision after, after all anyway. And we can provide so many solutions and options and, and everything. At the end of the day, they're just going to shrug it all off and they're going to be like, no, this is fine. And you try to tell them, you try to explain, nope, no, no, this is fine. Trust us. God, I love those words when they say it. <laughs> they did say, I mean, though, that they are limiting the number of destroyers and submarine combines to, like, five or so. Well, they, they kind of gave that as, a, as an example. But yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do any of you care about statistics and stats of your ships, of your account, and so on? A little, but not overly. Forget it. Once submarines arrive, you can forget it. Everybody's stats are going to go down. There is no way that anybody's average damage is going to stay as it is now. If they do not increase the, the amount of um, ships per battle, because it's supposed to be 12v12, um, even with limitation of five, these submarines have half or a third HP pool of destroyers. And even even in a game where you have a lot of destroyers and, and, and cruisers and not a lot of battleships, you, you, you start the game and you're like, ah, oh, 
I mean, my XP might be okay, my kills might be okay. My damage is going to be pretty damn shit here unless I can really devstruck a couple of guys. Like, I don't know, if you're a battleship. Even as a cruiser, you're just, you're just not going to have enough stuff to farm. Now, I might not be the guy that's really keen and super-duper into the stats, even though recently I've been doing that because I'm dead bored. Um, I just don't really care that much about stats overall. But when you start a game, you have a number in the back of your head that you know you want to achieve just about any game you play based on the tier and the ship class. If we have two subs and three DDs every game and a carrier, that's six ships you're never going to see and probably never going to shoot. And even if you do, they have very little HP to give you anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I'm honest, damage is one of the stats I really don't care about. Obviously, it's it's nice if you have like a 300k damage game once in a while, and so that's very satisfying. But honestly, I care mostly about winning. And when I look at my average stats, the most the one stat that I somewhat care about might be my win rate. But other than that, like I mean, wargaming isn't uh, co- uh, rewarding any supporting actions like raidering a ship. Uh, Spotting for the team and so on. I mean, there are lots of things yeah. that you can do other than damage that aren't rewarded anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. I had games where I had uh, zero damage and still end up in top three or top five. It's yeah, possible. It... <laughs> it's possible if you have um, like a lot of capping, a lot of scouting, a lot of planes, hmm. um, and and I don't know for some reason other people just weren't that successful and stuff. It's doable, but you know how many of those games I have. You could probably put it on the fingers of both arms in, in like 25k games. They don't happen up. They don't have to, oh, Jesus, happen often. And, um, when you actually do try to play a proper role of a support or a scout in this game, the only taste you're going to have after the match when you see your experience and credits is going to be bitter. Your stats are going to go down if you care about them. Uh, but your, your experience, your, your credits, everything else is going to be down. Like there's going to be no satisfaction besides, well, my actions led my team to a win. If you win. And we know that an average player in World of Warships has a below 50% win rate. So more than every second game is not even going to be a win. How satisfied are you with that game you just played? You're not. You're not being rewarded for doing anything. And God knows that in competitive gaming, damage is far from everything. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you also have to keep in mind that damage in itself is uh, rather, shall we put this, uh, misleading. Because, like, if you farm, like, a core first, you can get with heals, like, 150k uh, damage out of that core first. But the same amount sinks you lot, like, six destroyers. So you have to be very careful and when, when you regard pure damage numbers anyway. Oh, absolutely. I'd rather sink six destroyers than, than sink one curfers. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, any time of the day. Uh, not to mention that the kills will also give you uh, a percentage of experience buff. Um, e- even if it's like just a one, one damage kill, it still gives you that buff, whatever it is in percentage. Um, but it's not about like, oh, I need to have hundreds of thousands of damage. It's just like when you play a lot of games and when you like in, in the case of us that really play a lot and have just about everything, 
what are you going to focus on besides you're trying to get the, the most out of every match you play? And then damage just becomes one of the standards. You're like, I don't know, if I'm in a tier 8, I'd like to break 100k at least, right? Especially if it's a battleship. It goes without saying. And then if you have a game where there's one battleship, a bunch of cruisers, which are just running away or suiciding too fast, a bunch of DDs and a carrier you never get to shoot, man, my game ended with, like, what, 50k and a kill. Now what? It feels like a waste of time, if you know what I mean. I mean, I understand where you're coming from a bit, but personally, I never have gone into a battle and expected to reach a certain damage number, right? The, the number is really not I care about. I'm happy when it's high, but I've come out of tier 10 battles with 27,000 damage and I was happy. Well, obviously, that was more like in a destroyer where maybe I've sunk mm -hmm. another destroyer, took a few caps and so on, maybe not in a battleship. But when I'm in a battleship, I'm more likely how many secondary hits can I get. That's, that's much more satisfying for me than the damage number, I guess. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, the less you care about stats, the happier you will be as a person, as a player playing the game. I've learned that many, many years ago. And it hasn't changed till today. The more obsessed you are with stats, the less fun you're going to have in the game. Because if you are obsessed with stats, every game needs to be a bit better than the one before in terms of stats. Because um, otherwise your stats are not going up, right? And there's a cap. There's a, there's a limit. There's a checkpoint, mm -hmm. which once you reach, it starts getting exponentially harder to keep it, let alone improve it. And then you start being angry and disappointed and agitated and you start trying to do more and more and then you fail more often and then that starts being very irritating and you can be very unhappy. And at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, why am I even playing this game anymore? So for, for you, that's good. Like the less you care about stats, the more fun you're going to have. Personally. True. I think you can see a lot of that in in, in World of Tanks with the uh, somewhat infamous XVM mod, mm -hmm. where it not only... I mean, it does a whole bunch of things, but the thing it's most famous for is um, estimating a wind chance based on the kind of... Uh, all, all, all the wind chances, or, or you know, all the, all the kind of global wind rates and average damage mm -hmm. and what part of all the, the players that are on each team and it you know it it really didn't do anything except engender a lot of toxicity for most players some players would take useful information from it but you would get an awful lot of players that would just look at what xvm was telling them and go oh well, i won't bother then and just yellow in and kind of I do. I think that kind of ties into what you're saying about if you care about the stats too much, if that's all your focus is, then it's, yeah, it's, it's, well, there's going to negatively impact your enjoyment. There's interpreting stats and then there's misinterpreting stats and not just stats, information in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have more than 30,000 games in World of Tanks myself. I've played a game before World of Warships was even in the making and I had XVM installed myself. And I wasn't using it to see the estimate, um, like, what is my chance to win the battle? <laughs> because one very important thing that people forget is in World of Tanks, there's, what, 15 versus 15, right? So you have 30 players that make split-second decisions for the duration of 15 minutes. 
those rare occasions where game goes longer than two to five minutes, right? So mm -hmm. each decision that every player makes is going to impact the outcome of the game. Just because you have like an 80% chance to win doesn't mean, especially when you know it, doesn't mean that you will do all the right things and that those people who usually do bad things uh, seven out of eight times are going to do this time the bad thing as well. Maybe they just had seven really bad games and they're pissed and they're going to play super careful all of a sudden. And then you are that eighth game where they perform miraculously well than better than their stats would, you know, show. That's one thing people really, really forget when it's just pure math. But it doesn't mean, even when you have 99% chance to succeed, dude, there's 1% chance you're going to fail, which means if there's a 100 of us in a room and one is going to get his toe stepped on a Lego, there's a small chance it's going to be you. But there's a 100% chance someone is going to do it. And people forget that just because the game says you're gonna, there's a, you have a really good chance of winning. That doesn't mean this is a free win. Let's go. And, and I, and I've seen that a lot in World of Warships, even without people seeing stats. Oh, we got Flambas. That's a GG. Dude, the amount of games I lost where people said that in my team is insane. <laughs> they just, it, it feels like they just left the PC. They just went AFK and do everything for them. You can't, you can't act like that. The more disrespect you show to your enemy, the bigger the chance you're going to get punished for it. it it's, it's plain obvious. I mean, everybody that, who has played, everybody that, who has played XCOM where, that, knows. Yeah, that's the <laughs> point where stats start playing against you. Like, you see you have a better chance of winning, so you're going to take bigger risk, you're going to play uh, a dumber, and suddenly you're going to get punished for it. Information is only useful if you know how to interpret it. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the better players using XVM, like I'm sure yourself, were looking at, you know, who, who are the most dangerous enemies going to be? Who are the ones exactly, that yeah. I'm going to be expecting to go to certain places in a certain tank? And who's going to be doing the unpredictable thing because they're, a, you know, 40% win rate person who's not necessarily going to do the smart thing or the sensible thing and might rush up and get you blown up in the process, even though they get them themselves get blown up. So, yeah, trusting people to to use the information given is, is definitely, like, they're not going to do it most of the time. Most people are going to use it, but the funny part is only the people that are already good enough to not need to look at the stats know how to interpret the stats. That's the funny part. And people think if they can see the stats, they are just as good as everybody else and they can make just as good decisions. And it's not true. People that are good enough to play the game without seeing the stats are going to be the same people that are going to know how to actually interpret stats. And you, who might not be that good, you're going to see the stats and you're going to completely misinterpret them. And you might actually cause the game to be a defeat even though you had a much better chance. Like, for example, in World of Tanks, I don't know, if I'm on a position and I see, oh, there's a super unicum division from Kazna crew or something in the enemy team, and they're all playing medium tanks, and, and it's a map where you kind of know where the medium tanks are going to be, I'm going to keep a very close eye for the entire duration of the battle where that platoon, platoon is of those tanks. 
And if I if I'm going where they're going, I need to make sure I have enough cannon fodder with me. Otherwise, I'm going to get <laughs> rushed and killed, right? Because they're going to do it to anybody, let alone if they have a if they spot a singled out decent player. Oh, we take you out. We just steamroll through the through others. If I'm on the other flank, my actions are going to be uh, uh, much more aggressive or passive based on how well that division is doing. If they're rolling over my flank on the other side, I know I I have to pressure this flank better or bye-bye game. If they're not doing too good, I can take my time. Um, I know if there's a not a very good player on the other side of me, I know I can bait him into shooting a, a, a plate he's never going to penetrate and then abuse that against him, side scrape, use the terrain, yada, yada. But if I know there's a super unicum on the other side of that rock, bro, I am not peeking that rock because <laughs> I know I'm going to get slapped because he's going to know when and where to shoot. So that's how you interpret those that information and not, oh, this is a free win. It's not. Nothing is free. Yeah, I mean, it's the same in warships. When you see like that there is a, a good destroyer division with like a good radar ship, then you know when when you see like that is sure that the radar is gonna be lurking there right it's this this and you yeah. know that they are going to shoot you right and you know that they are going to focus you and not then hit there, you. yeah yeah so uh, by the way one last thing i think about submarines that that was also in in the F block submarines will now use the the spotting distance from like uh, planes. So basically, submarines can't really see for themselves anymore. Wait, no matter where they are in terms of depth, including surface. Surface ships will be detected by submarines from the same range as from planes. Therefore, reconnaissance will not be the main task for subs. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh interpret that as they can't spot for themselves, though. I think something like that makes me wonder if they're expecting way too much team play out of other players. I mean... Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> you can't to spot the destroyer from gonna... three kilometers, right? And as a sub, you can't see the destroyer unless like, it's three kilometers from you. Yeah, which means you're pretty much screwed. I mean that's re that's really good news for destroyers to be fairly honest. One of my, my one of my favorite favorite one of my major fears with um, introduction of submarines was destroyers were literally about to lose their last main feature that they're known for. Like there's so much hydro, mm -hmm. so much plane, and so much radar, and every and you're always the one with the least amount of health, armor, always the tip of the spear, always the first one to get shot at. Um, like you, you have all the all the odds stacked against you, which makes it by far the hardest class to play. And now they're gonna take away the last thing DDs have, which is the best concealment. I mean, what else can they take? There's nothing else. It's a dead horse, and you just destroyed it. You you vaporized it. You poured antimatter over it. Like there's nothing left. Um, so I'm I'm happy that that's gonna be the case, but that's gonna make it really difficult for subs. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's... Wargaming okay, still I, doesn't know what they want with subs, I think. They just... I, I don't... This has always been my problem right from the start, is I just don't see what role they're supposed to occupy in World of Warships. 
Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious why they're introducing submarines, though. Um, and you can, and Make it's pretty money? obvious that there's. Sorry. Make money. Uh, content. Yeah. What are they gonna do? They they already introduced majority, right, of what people want and and what they can. Now, yes, of course, there's still a whole bunch of ships they can do, but if they only focus on adding ships, within a few years they're out. They're out of content. They're going to introduce literally everything. And they already introduced God knows how many blueprint ships, both old and new, especially new. So, and if they don't want to branch out into higher tier than tier 10, which is, in my opinion, just a fluke, we already have ships that don't belong in the tier 10, but, you know, whatever. Um, then they, they have to go somewhere. What are they going to do? The only class that they can go for, which opens up years of content and and a change of pace um, and, and potentially bringing in a new audience, is submarines. I can see why they want it, but you can also see that this game is not supposed to have submarines. You can see that they're really, really struggling to find a way to implement it. I mean, and... you can say with a certainty that these have been shoehorned in because we know for a fact that it was never in their initial design decision for the game to have submarines. Yeah. They made that very clear, you know, for years and years. There's that famous quote from Suboctavian that there will never be submarines. So they, they were clearly never intending subs to be in the game. And then, yeah, I think it probably is, as, as you say, they're, they're looking for ways to... I think you were talking about Chieftain. I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah. There there won't be submarines in the game. They will never be submarines in the game. They actually made a video, like a minute long, where he's saying that. And then at the end of the video, he's just sitting with a sandwich and he's like, you know what, just whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this game has changed a lot since the very beginning. You can see that they had a much more realistic. And, and more balanced view of where this game should be at the beginning than they do now. Um, the game kicked off and then they just decided to roll over, like, you know, roll their faces all over the keyboard and introduce everything and, and just stretch it to, to its maximum and, um, you know, take all the money with it, of course, that they can. Now, I don't have a problem with a company making money. Because otherwise there wouldn't be a company and there wouldn't be a game, there wouldn't be a product. Um, people that have a problem with board gaming making money are delusional if they still play the game. I mean, what would you want them to? Hundreds of people working for free. Would you like to be one of these people? I don't know, work nine to five and don't get paid because it's a free-to-play game. You have to be realistic. They have to make money. It's the way that they make money that irritates people. That's the problem. The way that they monetize stuff is insane. Um, and and the, the, their focus, it just seems like... And yes, I understand the focus of the company is supposed to be making money. But god damn, you have to have limits. You, you have to be reserved and, and find a balance between making money and improving your product and the game's health. And I feel that between on a scale where on one side we have games health and on the other side we have making money off that game, making money is like a rock and a balance of the game is like a feather. And that feather Mm -hmm. 
is not even on the scale anymore because that rock hit the scale so hard in the last few years that the feather just flew off the scale. That's how I feel the game is for a long while now. It's just, they're sucking all the fun out of it with all these super-duper questionable and unbalanced decisions. And I mean, we're, uh, we're sort of getting into inevitable um, consequences of capitalism territory at this point, really, aren't we? Yeah, well, call it what you want. I mean, the, the, but, but I mean, that could lead us into the next topic, like the Yukon. The Yukon could have been an easy win for them and the printing oh, oh, money, yeah, okay. but they... Oh my, they fucked that up. That's, uh, it's even, uh, for wargaming. I, I didn't see that coming. Well, I guess we did see that coming because even like a few weeks ago, we discussed about poor mouse and how she's being ignored. But obviously I didn't even realize just how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that surprised me in the whole thing, uh, with, with little white mouse was that they actually apologized and tried to own their mistake. Th that's something that's a little bit odd for Wargaming. Well, yeah, that, um, that, that's the one thing you can point out as an improvement. They didn't try and prevaricate and beat around the bush like they have done multiple times in the past. They they did one thing which is questionable in, in terms of their apology. Um, like, sure, I, I give them that much. They apologized and they tried to own the mistake. The the only question now is what are they going to do about it, um, but but I do love how how relatively subtle they tried to throw a random X Y Z person that used to work in the company and is no longer working here, and all the blame just shifted on that X Y Z person, and that's it. We're just going to throw a random guy that might not have even ever existed under the bus, uh, so nobody gets to actually pick up the blame for this and we're just going to apologize and, and show our sincerest feelings towards our dear community contributor who we cared for so much in the past one and a half year that we couldn't even communicate one very simple thing and you know everything is going to be is going to be good so like, as far as we know this person might not have even existed it, it literally could be just an imaginary person that they decide to throw the blame on so they're done with the blame, they're done with the apology, and now they're going to do something to shut everybody up. For example, give her a camo and, and call it square. Uh, like, I'm not saying that it's true. I'm saying as far as we know, it might all be just whatever. Um, and it, it could be. It might as well be true that there was this person that was doing, you know, his job or her job very responsible. And nobody, else. I just find it hilarious that nobody knew about this besides that one person. And when he left, he didn't leave any recordings, any written anything, documentation well, that, about it. He just left. Especially facepalm because Little White Mouse, like weeks before the launch of the Yukon, she was trying to get the attention of, you know, the community team. And to you know, to to let them know her side of things, and of course they they had no clue. And then uh, she was made this offer about the, the the temp camo thing, but that had kind of already happened. So again, proving that they hadn't actually read the 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 logs, the materials that she had provided. 
that they were just kind of so unaware, e even after the initial the fuss or whatever you want to call it had, had happened. So it was just kind of like a big face palm followed by a small face palm on top of that because they couldn't have, even get it quite right then. Has any of you been to any of the CC summits in the past? No, no. I've, I've never been invited to talk. Okay. So one thing that I've learned over the years dealing with wargaming and um, the latest CC summit was just insane eye opener in terms of just how up in their world they are, which is totally lifted off the ground and in the clouds. Um, one thing that I learned over the, the past years is the only way to make wargaming actually and, and I put a very big um, quotation marks here, realize, be aware of the mistakes that they're about to make or will make, is to make a huge fuss about it. And, and it's one thing that they are trying to kind of stop, put an end to, people just setting up fires and going in rebellion and, and full-on viva la revolucion, you know. They're, they're trying to contain problems when they smell the fire um but it's the only thing that gets them to move they, they will not flinch until they see that there's a fire on the horizon it's just the only way to make them move and the funny part is it's not even that the community is tryharding to start these fires they're the ones setting them off we're just the ones looking at them looking at the fire looking at them, and they're just walking away like like they didn't just start a fire, and then we're running after them, calling them, you just started a fire, hello? And they're like, no, it's fine, no fire there, comrade. And and then when the fire takes half the city away, and, and everybody starts pointing fingers towards them, picks up weapons and shows up in front of their door, then they're like, oh, uh, we apologize sincerely. We will take this opportunity and this feedback to really learn from this, and this will not happen in the future. And then they just, meanwhile, they already set three new fires. And that keeps happening over and over and over again. In short, one thing that I learned dealing with wargaming is they just don't pay attention to anything you're pointing their way until there's a fire because community is just outraged by something they did. It's very, very difficult to get their attention to problems because they think it's fine. They think everything is fine. That's just how they deal with stuff. They're, they're completely incapable of realizing, even with all the signs, where the fires are burning. And, and uh, the latest CC summit was just a dead giveaway. They literally had a room with, I don't know, a hundred people, maybe more. And, and, and everybody was pointing at the problem and they were like, you have to trust us. This is fine. I mean, you should trust us. We're the ones representing our communities who are the ones playing your game, not the other way around. We don't need your trust. You need our trust, but sure, you go and, and do that. I'll see you in three days on YouTube. It's, it's ridiculous. There's definitely, I mean, we can definitely say there's a bit of a pattern that's built up at this point. 
Yeah. I mean, what what also has sort of shocked me in this whole thing, like a lot of what the apologies say is like we we promised something that wasn't ours to promise, which sounds a little bit weird because if you are getting approached by an official member of a company, uh, you feel like that person should be speaking for the company, right? I mean, you you kind of have to trust if a wargaming employee approaches you that they are, you know, sincere or honest about this. But the yeah, other thing is that a will... lot of them was like. Uh, yeah, we kind of forgot to tell the team that they should actually look at feedback. It sounded like usually that's not part of the process, like looking at feedback. And they're like, yeah, we, we, we didn't like <laughs> tell the team to, to actually take feedback into account. Yeah, it, it's also hilarious how it wasn't just one person. Like, sure, April might have been approached by one person. It, it's up for speculation. But in, in her, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, in, in her document where she kind of tells about her and, and Chobitsu experience, and from what I've seen from the apologies of Wargaming, there were multiple people involved in this. This was presented to, 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 to some devs who were making decisions based on what they saw and decided to not accept it. So, excuse me, where did all the thing get lost in the process? I don't get it. I mean, my theory, and this is just speculation, but with it basically coming in just after the Nelson's been taken out, I, I think that's the plan that they've got in their heads, and they just, they, the ones that even had any idea that this was coming from Mouse, you know, it all just kind of got discarded and overridden. But of course, Mouse was completely left in the dark about all this, which is why she feels so bitter about the whole thing, and kind of, you know, rightfully so. Yeah. I don't actually know um, how big of a reach uh, uh, she has. Like, how yeah, many Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. She's very well regarded by all of us CCs. Exactly. Th that's the thing. Uh, I, I honestly don't know how big of a reach she directly has with her audience, only she could disclose that information. But I feel like the majority um, comes from the rest of the CCs who all have tremendous respect towards this person, this individual. The amount of work that, that she puts is beyond admirable. Like, she is absolutely insane when it comes to the work that she puts and the detail and the depth that she goes to. And she's old, she's basically, well, I mean, I don't know the, how much does she have, if she has any sort of income from what she does, but it's not like Wargaming or any of us are paying her to do it. Mm -hmm. And she goes on her own accord to such incredible depth. And she educates Wargaming and brings their, their mistakes, which they should be aware of, that their ships are not turning as much as it's listed, that they're longer than they should be, that they're sitting deep. It's like, where, woman, where are you coming up with all this? Like, and you're insane. That, that maybe also speaks towards the, the kind of internal communication issues that we might speculate about in Wargaming, that stuff like that slips through. That, that... A lot of stuff slips through there. Yeah. But it's just that the rest of us, at least the ones that I know, all seem to have such incredible amount of admiration and respect towards this individual that no matter how small or big her reach personally was, 
the rest of us were just angry. Like <laughs> the rest of us were just ready to ch- fucking throw rocks at wargaming because how dare you? Honestly, how fucking dare you? It's such an individual who does so much work for you for free and 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 takes so much of her time and puts so much effort. How dare you not even do something so simple and, and fair? Like, yeah, you, you can throw punches at the likes of us, right? We're 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 used to it. I don't know, but don't there there's certain figures, you know, if you know what I mean, that yeah. you don't touch. You don't throw mud on certain people. They're like saints. And she's like a saint within a CC program, if I if I can call her that way. Cause she is incredible like she's so far away from the rest of us with no disrespect to any of us of course it's just she's a world of her own i'm surprised that she's not working for i I don't know the companies are just not throwing themselves at her feet based on the the incredible work she does and and that's that's how this this kind of thing picked off really like when we all read saw her messages and read her report, we were just like, you fuckers. Like, you really did this to her? From all the people to her, too? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like Mouse puts more work into the game than people that are paid to to work on it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm sure she does. I'm 100% sure she does. Far more work. She's insane. I mean, I I absolutely wouldn't blame her if she just stops putting as much effort in, giving as much feedback. I mean, I for one, I I kind of, I don't bother with the detailed feedback anymore. It kind of feels like I'm throwing it into the void at this point. I know Clyde feels the same. Well, most people. Yeah. Like CC um, CC Discord is, is like a graveyard. It's just graveyard of feedback that nobody uses properly. They just say they do, but they really don't. Otherwise, we would see we would see results. And that's not me going, speaking from like a high branch or, or anything and be like, oh, you just think you're so elite that some company should listen to you. No, I think they should listen to reason. There, There's a difference. They don't have to listen to me, but they should listen to hundreds of thousands of people who are, you know, their customers and, and ah, whatever. I just get so bloody irritated just thinking about logic and wargaming in the same sentence. It, it is a, I mean, the, the, the change they made a while back, and I can't remember if I've talked about this on this podcast before, but I know I've talked about it at some point in some place, possibly YouTube, that's very helpful and specific. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the changes they made with uh, being able to show uh, work in progress chips was kind of a good thing and a bad thing because it, it meant we didn't necessarily and it were people getting false expectations about what a ship would be based on earlier test versions but at the same time without that that kind of swell of of uh, public reaction to some of the more questionable concepts which um, is the only way to make them yeah that, that, that kind of feels like the only thing that was really getting wargames attention at times and, and now we yeah. don't have that now it's just our feedback and that doesn't really feel like it has that much of an impact see the difference here's the really funny thing the difference between now and then is back then we thought we could make a change we thought we could make a difference 
That's the really funny part. And with all of our testing, with all of our feedback of the ships that were still in the, you know, in the process of actually being uh, balanced, um, we, we thought we had it nailed to the wall and they, they were going to know what to do with these ships now. And then they would just release them completely and utterly broken, right? Some of them. And, and we would just bash our heads on the wall. We just couldn't believe it. We, we provided all of this detailed pages of feedback. And, and you, you're telling me that you saw no reason in any of this and you still decided to go with your own thoughts. And, and that was what was getting most of the, most of the CCs and testers completely agitated and irritated and putting Wargaming at the bad spot. So Wargaming naturally decided to get rid of us by not really getting rid of us, just limiting what we can say. And now they are releasing exactly the same products as they were before, just overpowered and broken. The only difference is we don't know about it until it's too late. You know, Problem solved, right? It, it was a great solution. You know, to me, it feels like ships used to be more like handcrafted, like back in the day. I'm, I'm not sure when exactly they started to go this bad, maybe two years ago or something. But, but back in the day when they were still listening to feedback and still trying to make good ships. And when you like told them like that concept doesn't quite work or that there are two uh, different concepts that you're trying to mesh that don't work, right? They, they listen, they used to listen to things like that. But these days it looks like it's just like an automated factory, right? Somebody comes up with a concept and then they throw that concept out and then it's getting tested and then it's only a spreadsheet, right? They say, okay, tier seven battleship damage needs to be between A and B. Test it. Damage is not between A and B. Adjust reload. Test again. Okay. Now we, we have on the spreadsheet, we have the numbers that we want. Okay. Release. And whatever anybody else says, they don't care. If somebody tells them this is not fun or this is bad to play against or that the, the concept makes no sense. So none of this matters because the only thing matters is there is a spreadsheet and there is a certain number that you have to have in the spreadsheet and you test until you have that and then done. Yeah, I mean... Uh, hey. When the only thing that you pay attention to is numbers on a, on a piece of paper, that, that's the only, like, if that's how you're going to shape your product, you're going to make a shit ton of mistakes that shouldn't be made or that you can avoid. Because a piece of paper doesn't say everything. I imagine this. Imagine a battle where you have a hundred men versus a hundred men, right? And your hundred men are good enough to beat 99 with almost losing nothing, no casualties. Because it's like uh, 100 really well-armored food soldiers that are going up against 99 peasants with nothing. But the last guy in the enemy team, if you want to call it that way, is like a mountain troll or some shit. And he literally kills most of your men. So 100 men versus 100 men in the spreadsheet, you won with like seven foot soldiers left. It's a victory. It was a well-balanced battle. That's the wargaming. It's not. It was a slaughter from one side, complete and utterly unbalanced slaughter of peasants, and then it was a completely utterly unbalanced slaughter of footmen by a mountain troll. And you have to be an idiot to not see the problem there. That's how they balance their game. because. The end product 
says that that was a balanced battle and it was a close up match. Let's let's go to the next battle. That that's yeah. how they balance their game. Yeah, I agree. Like the, the the thing is, the spreadsheet doesn't tell you everything, as you said. And the problem is, the other question is how how accurate is your data? Because you can't just like look at how somebody does in in a new test ship. You have to compare it to how they do in similar ships. But what if they don't play similar ships, right? What if you only have old data for similar ships? What if they haven't touched a Bismarck in two years? Then you can't really compare the data to that. It like it takes so much data. To, to get good data and to actually make a, a usable spreadsheet that they probably never have that in testing. So they have, they don't longer listen to logic or to concepts or to anything. The only thing they listen to is no the data longer. that's probably flawed. <laughs> well, I mean, they did like three years ago, to be honest. I mean, for me, the, the, the kind of the point where I, I feel like it really started to not go off the rails, maybe that's that's too strong a phrase, but things started to get a bit worrying was uh was it twenty seventeen when the whole graph zeppelin thing happened? That, that was another one of their famous prior gaffes when they spent a whole weekend after it initially released insisting it was fine and players were just playing it wrong and the bomb drop you know mechanic mechanism wasn't wasn't bugged, it was working as intended, and then a couple of days later they kind of grudgingly admitted that yes, okay, maybe there was a problem. And then it went through that whole rather excruciating extended rebalancing process. And uh, I, yeah, I, I just There were I don't a know. few ships that required so much testing after they were already being sold. Yeah. But I mean, you know, back in the day, at least you have to say they try. I mean, the Graf Zeppelin was a mess, but they tried to balance this ship for half a year. It wasn't like, yeah, we've got to release this in one month. I mean, it, it originally it was like we got to release this ship in one month because it has to be ready for Gamescom or something, right? And then they admitted that they were wrong, and then they tried to fix it in was was complete mess. But at least it wasn't something where they said, yeah, okay, this this is fine now. Well. Not after the first I mean, couple of days, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that they, they they made a mess because they didn't listen to feedback, and then they tried to fix the mess by like listening to the community, and then they realized that having like too many people balance the ship also didn't work out. And then half a year later, they had another broken mess, and then they gave up, sort of. But you know, that was time when they tried. These days, if they release something like a Smolensk or so, they are like, "This is fine." And then a month later, so they're like, we are going to remove it from the shop now, but we would like to mention that it is still fine. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the golden things about Wargaming is whenever you try to approach them and tell them that something is wrong, they tell you that it's not. Uh, we will take a look at the data and we will get back to you. And then lo and behold, someone from Wargaming comes back to you and says that it's fine. I mean, you already knew it was going to be fine. Like, it's always fine. It's not like anything is broken in World of Warships, according to Wargaming. So he comes back to you and he says what you already knew he was going to say. So you try to argue and you try to tell them that it's not. And then you get some higher up coming up in the Discord and telling you that you're out of place. And that you shouldn't be talking with disrespect or anything like that. This is not a place for that, even though you're just trying to share your feedback. And you might have gotten a little bit, you know, uh, heated up. And uh, that at the end of the day, uh, it is your feeling. And that's not mm -hmm. what the data supports. So 
you know, if you pardon my language, in in short, it's go fuck yourself. We don't care. <laughs> that's that's sorry, but that's your feeling, and you are wrong. Um. So what happens then? A month goes by, three months goes by, a year goes by, and then, like Adam said, they either remove it or they rebalance it. And then they say, like, I literally, I swear to God, it happened multiple times. I'm not going to put any names, but I talked to people from Wargaming, and they were willing to put their arm in flames and say that this is fine. Three days later, they change it with a statement that this was maybe not not great. <laughs> At which point do you admit that you have a broken product? You don't. It's fine until you absolutely have to change it. And then you change it and you say, you know, uh, we took a look at some data and we adjusted the parameters. You adjusted the parameters, really. But I thought it was fine. Everybody was screaming until this morning that it's fine. So why did you change it if it was fine? And it's always like this with them. It's never broken or bad or wrong. It's always fine. And then they just do something radical. And you're like, but it was fine. Why are you changing it? I think one of the problems is that obviously we talk to community people usually. And uh, honestly, I feel like the, the community, they still have some very great people in, in, well, deal with the community in wargaming but they are not the ones making decisions and they just parrot the company line and they're probably required to to always say it's fine it's fine it's fine and they probably uninformed themselves when something changes because we're back to the communication right the community people they they are just get spoon-fed information i feel like just like we are or just like they they are getting just propaganda in their ear i don't know most people, like I've mentioned before with, with, with XVM in, in World of Tanks or any other game, most, most people don't know how to interpret the information. And um, uh, I'll give you one of the examples um, that, you know, where it's me who doesn't know how to interpret the information. One of the games that's been out for more than a decade now, the, the game that I enjoyed playing as a kid, the, the game that I still play, and will probably continue to play and very much enjoy watching its competitive, is StarCraft II. Uh, this is the game that very heavily relies on recon, scouting your opponent, and interpreting what your opponent is doing based on what he has, what he's building, what his movement is, what the positioning of the structures is, right? So, mm -hmm. me, the potato that I am, I scout the enemy because that's what you're supposed to do. I have no clue what the enemy is <laughs> doing. I can see his entire base. I could literally have a scout sitting in the middle of their base and still not know what's coming my way until it hits me. Because I'm not that good at a game to know all the details, all the builds, all the timings, the, the natural process of, oh, what does that race do when this pops up? And a lot of people are going to have access to a lot of information, like you said, because Wargaming is just going to be spoon-feeding them with all this information, but they don't know what the hell they're, 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 they're getting. They're just getting info, and they don't know what to do with it. And then it hits them hard, and it's like, oh, what the hell is this? Eh, sorry, Sonny. It's too late now. 
I, I totally feel you on that StarCraft one. The highest I ever came in StarCraft was like Gold League, I think. I was never really good at it. But I liked to watch some competitive and you always see them scouting. So I always scouted and I never changed my plan or my build on anything. Unless yeah. you scout like a rush or something and you see like the circling's already on the way to your base or something. I'll, I'll, I'll see what they're building and I have like my brain goes like, yep. Yeah. And now I guess I'll just keep doing what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to plat and diamond, even in in masters in terms of like um, uh, higher ups. Like I I, do, I didn't enjoy playing one v one that much, and one of the reasons was I like team games, and and RTS was a thing that really got me into gaming to begin with. To begin with, um, and and I was always enjoying the fact that you could play more than one v one, even though there's a big army to lead. You're still playing uh, against just one guy. Put a couple of guys. Let, let's duke it out like a team against the team where everybody has their armies and stuff, right? So when it comes to StarCraft, I mostly play like 2v2, 3v3, or 4v4. And I, I spend the least amount of time actually playing 1v1. And I'm not going to lie. One of the reasons why I enjoy 1v1 the least is probably my lack of ability to <laughs> actually read what the opponent is doing. I, I can read some things. But I, I can't be bothered to learn all the details about the game, like the ins and outs and everything. It's not my main game. I play it for fun. World of Warships might be one of my main games, and I'm going to know more about it, and I'm going to be able to read better my opponent and, and be 20 steps ahead of, of a regular player. But that's because that's my main thing. StarCraft is what I play for fun. And a lot of people play games still, guess what, for fun. And a lot of people will play World of Warships for fun. And they won't understand why this thing is broken, why this thing is overpowered, why it's unbalanced, why this shouldn't happen, why that shouldn't happen. And they're going to be like, oh, you guys just bitch and whine all the time. <laughs> okay, because we understand the problems. You don't. And there's, there's nothing you can do. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean definitely. Exactly. Definitely easy to get frustrated sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's for example, like with, with warships and uh, secondary builds. I, I do love secondary brawling. It's never, it was never the most effective playstyle, but it's a fun playstyle and you can still do relatively well with it. And I still play like German battleships. The amount of time people try to tell me that my German secondary builds don't work, even though they do. I mean, Germans are the only ones that work, but a lot of people, they don't understand secondaries. They don't understand what you have to look for. They don't understand, for example, the simplest fact like penetration. It's one of the most important things uh, for working secondary build that you get yourself to, to enough pen that you can actually do anything with them. I, I don't, well, yeah, sure. Of course, th those are all important parts, but I wouldn't really say that the, the biggest problem uh, when it comes to secondaries, is there, like, you, you spec in with a secondary ship and, and um, the, the biggest problem comes down to your ship's capability of actually hitting the target and doing damage. I think the problem with secondary ships lies mostly on all the other aspects, which uh, one of them being they are so incredibly single-dimensioned and expensive to do. You can't go for anything else if you go for a full secondary build. You can't go concealment, you can't go survivability, you can't go uh, anything. It, it's the sheer Wargaming's decision that it kind of correlates to AA, or it, at least it used to, 
So you have a secondary AA kind of build ship, right? Um, but at the end of the day, it depends on the map, the position, the tier, and the battle flow. You just can't use your secondary ship the same manner, no matter where you're put. It, it, there's a lot of aspects that takes an experienced player to properly interpret. Now we come back to that information again and the value of it. Um, in order to make the secondary ship work properly. There's going to be games where you're going to be wreaking havoc, and there's going to be a next game where you're just going to get burned down. You're not going to be able to reach anybody even with your secondaries. And if you try, you're YOLOing. And and a lot of people are just not going to know when to push and when not to, where, against who, with what, how much. It, backup plan and, and stuff like that. A lot of people just don't understand that. And that's... I think where the majority of the problems lie when it comes to secondary spec ships, they're incredibly expensive and one-sided. And um, you can either make them work or you can't. Most people can't. I, I mean, I agree that uh, secondary ships are very hard to play, but it's also it's very limited number of ships where secondaries can work. It's basically only the Germans and the key. Technically a Shikishima, although I wouldn't recommend trying it on a Shikishima, but it's basically the Germans and the key, maybe some lower tiers, but and I don't think any other uh, nation has currently a ship with secondaries that can be made to work. Oh, I mean, a lot of people love to go French. French battleships and secondaries are extremely popular, or at least they used to yeah, be. Yeah, but they suck because they can't get the necessary pens. You can't, you can't get 32 millimeters and you can only get, I think, 27 with one of your two caliber secondaries, which basically means you can, half of your secondaries can pen cruisers and none of your secondaries can pen battleships and they aren't accurate enough anymore to go after destroyers. People just look at the hits and they say, like, oh, I got 300 secondary hits this game and then they did 10k damage, right? Yeah. Uh, because people, uh, you need to look at if your secondaries are able to do damage, not just if they get hits, right? If I do that same in a German, I'd get 780k damage, not 10 yeah, and the difference is not only the hits and the and the damage and the range, uh, it's also what you give. Like, German ships are pretty hard to citadel, uh, have very good armor, and, and they have a lot of HP pool. And French, well, not really. So can you afford to stay up in the range of your secondaries long enough to actually make them work and then enough to make them valuable where you would have been doing better if you weren't that close, for example. Yeah, but, I mean, it, yeah. it can get worse if you try it in a shop out where all your secondaries in the back and you really just want to sit nosing. Oh, God, I love to see people secondary spec the Jambard and, and then stay in their spawn. And I'm like, oh, my God, somebody please revoke <laughs> this guy's ability to play this game. <laughs> it's just criminal. I guess everyone's got that kind of pet thing that they think should be like I, I definitely agree about secondaries i think we talked about that with clyde a bit as well I seem to remember my my current long-running bugbear is is a lot of the tier 7 destroyers just are so shafted in terms of their detection radius and now more so than ever with how bad matchmaking has gotten at tier 7 it's not, it's not fun playing with, with like 6.8 Kilometer surface detection and literally everything else outspots you. I think tier seven destroyers were always a bit of a black sheep in in old ten tiers. 
when it comes to destroyers. They were always, um, like the armament wasn't good enough to justify their high detectability that they have to sacrifice for. And, and it even starts with, with a lot of ships at tier six. But at least in tier six, the armament they have for the tier is a lot better than what they have in the tier seven. In tier seven, it feels like you have just about the same, maybe a little bit better, but you give up so much concealment and, and like turn rotation and size and stuff and reload just to have that little bit more firepower. Tier seven for me always felt when it comes to DDs to be like one of the worst tiers. That doesn't mean there are not some really good oh, DDs tier seven. There. there are. Yeah. Hyda says hello. Uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, is, I guess, proliferation of radars as well. A lot of the Tier 7 destroyers have torpedo ranges that are well within, you know, unsafe range of radar cruisers, which definitely also makes things a lot tougher. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, even Wargaming has completely given up on Tier 7 with the WOT Z31. They just oh, God, they didn't even try to design a Tier 7 ship anymore. They just put a Tier 5 in. I mean, you need you, you need your team to be doing so much, like for you to to do okay in the Z thirty one, because it it struggles to do it does so little on its own. It it absolutely needs all your teammates some, some to do the right like Support role. And the then, thing that most bugs me it's not even the low DPM. It's the fact that it literally only has smokes, and it's not like they gave it. A pan Asian destroyer number of smokes, for example, which would be quite useful. It, I mean, it, but just, it, it gets nothing for not having anything apart from smokes. Yeah, yeah. sometimes when they when they release the ship, it feels like it's a ship that's been designed four years ago, but they kept postponing its release date, and then they never bothered adjusting it based on what they released in the four years after um, that they designed the ship. Some of these ships, like when I see them and you take a look at the, the consumables and you're like, oh, you have HEAP and Democon. Wow. Welcome to 2021. Have fun. Enjoy your stay, buddy. <laughs> it's like it's world of gimmicks now. Like you need so much stuff to work with to stay competitive properly that when, when they release a ship that's actually properly balanced and not super duper, People just don't even want to look at it. It's like, what am I going to do with this? This this ship might have been good back in the day, but now you're just way late to the party, dude. It's like showing. Imagine, um, uh, like one of the things that they used to say for Sherman tanks, they were good tanks in in a wrong time. Like, imagine if it's uh, I don't know, uh, 1950s, and you show up with mm -hmm. a Sherman. You're like, okay, the tank, the tank might have been fine in, in its time, but dude, you're way out of, you're like, you're way out of line right now. It, it's the wrong time. Some of the ships that they release just feel like that. It, it's just, sure, if you got released long time ago, you would have been absolutely fine. You would have fit in the game, but now, uh-uh. And then the question always imposes itself, why would you buy the ship? Why would you play it? And then you come to the power creep. And when you come to the power creep, you're in you're in a bag of trouble. Because the way to keep people engaged and interested in the new ships that you keep releasing, they have to be up to par with everything else you released. 
So that mm-hmm. means they can't be weaker. They have to be equally or better because why would they get that one if they already got the other one? And considering World of Warships is a free-to-play game, if I buy, uh, I don't know, a Scharnhorst, for example, and I'm happy with it, and it's my go-to premium ship, if they if they release Turpids, they have to make sure that thing does better. Because why would I get it? I already bought a premium ship. So it, I wanted to buy a premium ship. One premium ship that's going to, for example, make me credits, right? That's how we mm-hmm. used to think back in the day in World of Tanks. I'm going to buy one and that's it. I'm never buying another thing from this game because that's going to be too big of an investment, especially for a free-to-play. So they have to make it better. So you, you, you actually want to buy that one as well, even though you already have a premium ship. And then you go buy that as well. And then they are going to release what? Aegid and put it in a tier nine. They're going to be like, Oh, well, hmm. Okay. Well, that's, uh, or Siegfried. Oh, my wallet's a little bit empty. Uh, I already have two and I can only play one at a time, but, mm. and then they release a tier 10 and you're like, Oh, fucking hell. I, I'd like that too. And then you do that for a bunch of other classes and a bunch of other nations, and that's how they make money. And that's the problem of power creep also. True, but funnily enough, the recent, uh, not premiums, but the recent ship lines have been a bit weird, right? We had the US battleships, we were kind of boring, and the Vermont was, I think, relatively strong during Deadeye, but not that, it's not really that great, I feel like, uh, after it. And then there was like the Italians, which I feel like are not really all that great altogether too. And now the German destroyers. I mean, the Z31 is just out the garbage, but the, the higher tier, the what, what is it called? The tier 10 is okay, uh, just a bit weird. But I've, I don't know. They, they had some weird ship releases lately and not really overpowered, more like on the uh, weaker spectrum, it feels like. Yeah, but who I, really cares about I, Italians or Germans? You can just go play the glorious Russian fleet. I'll, I'll give them this. Honestly, I think they're a lot less bad at it than... Like, I think I think they're a lot... I don't think better at balancing, but we I think we get less power creep than comparable games in World of Warships. And not to say it doesn't happen, but... I think I think we're rel- relatively well off in that regard, and maybe part of it's just the nature of of the game as well, the the, the slower pace. But that, of course, you you could still get completely overpowered premiums. It can still happen and has happened, but it's just I don't know. I think I, I want to be at least a bit fair to all gaming here. No, I think war gaming just has periods of time where, and it's probably due to the PR the thing that, you know, internal PR relations that they're not going to give you. It's like we have a period of time where we're going to release some extremely questionable stuff, and then we're going to release some extremely questionable stuff in the opposite direction. Just stuff that's just there because we want it to be there. We don't we don't care who gets it. If anybody buys it, that's just extra money. Um, we're just going to release it, and at the end of the day, you can always point the finger and say, look, we have some ships that are far from overpowered, right? Um, but uh, I wouldn't say that they're not releasing OP ships anymore. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to change. Probably. 
I've just recently mixed in a lot of questionable ones. Maybe in, on the spreadsheet, you know, if you li uh, release one overpowered ship and three underpowered ones, then it's, it balances out again on the spreadsheet. I'm just waiting for the day. I don't think we actually hit that day yet, but I'm waiting for the day. Where, actually, mm, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe someone actually has the information, but I'm waiting for the day where we actually have more premiums than texture ships in the game. And and I think we're currently around 500 ships in total in the game. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's if we're close, if not over 250 premium ships. And um, it's not it's never going to stop because they need to keep making money, and they're going to keep making new ones. I wonder just in in five years, just what's it going to be like. Uh, one third well, takes premium. I mean, so so many of their releases in what the last two three years, it's just been a constant dribble of increasingly blueprint vehicles, basically. Yeah, because we go back to that power creep. If I've been playing the game for years and I have a bunch of stuff, why would I spend money on your game anymore? Unless you release something that beats everything that I have. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. This this one more time. I'm going to get this one more tank so I can beat everybody. And then in a year, there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. And that's how they make money. Because if, if a new player ar arrives in the game now, they have like 500 ships to choose from, dude. There's not a tier in the game besides, I think, tier one where you don't have a premium ship. And you can buy it for like seven different currencies. So <laughs> you have all the options in the world, depending on how big your wallet is and how much time you have on your hands. But if you're a veteran of the game, you already know what's good, what's bad. You already, well, you should uh, know how to play stuff. You know your own play style. You know what suits you. And you probably already have a bunch of things. You don't need to spend money at the game. And eventually, your interest in doing the same thing over and over is going to die. You're going to want to go, you know, you're going to want to move on and do something else. And and the only way to keep it is to keep bringing in new content. And if they need to keep making money, and they want to make money off of you too, then they need to make something bigger, better, stronger. And uh, hello, Power Creep. That's, that's very true. Something stronger just sells a lot easier than something that, that's on par with what is already there. I, I wish they would maybe just throw out less ships and focus on other content too, because ships themselves shouldn't, like they, they focus too much on new ships, right? It feels like they're throwing out like five new premiums every month. Instead, they could like maybe do two and instead go give us maybe uh, more maps or design some wishes or whatnot. Yeah, I, I wish. I really, really wish. Uh, I feel like we, we're getting ships, new ships faster out these days than ever before. Uh, I, I We have, what, like 15 ships in the test period all the time. We used to have test phases where we would have one, mm -hmm. maybe two or three test ships. That's it. And you would play those ships until you know them inside out. And then you would write these... You remember when they used to have like these feedback forms? I don't know if they still have oh, yeah. them. Where it was like, 
10 pages of, of questions and then a lot of blank space where you could provide your, your, your actual feedback that's not their questions and stuff. Does anybody do that even anymore? I mean, what's the point? A few diehards do. <laughs> There's just so many of them and they're coming in so fast. And then on top of all of that, I can't actually play them on stream or create any content of it, which means my four to eight hours a day that I spend, you know, gaming and, 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 and doing my work, I can't actually do that part of my work. So I should probably um, not eat, not spend any time with anybody else and, and, and steal a little bit of my sleep so I could go test their ships and, pro and fill their forms. So they can just lovely ignore it and, and release a broken product anyway. It's brilliant. Yeah, I've stopped playing test ships, right? Because I barely play this game when it's not not uh, on stream or so. So I, you know, also the, my I always I also had the problem before that they wanted you to play. I think about fifty percent without a division. And I've uh, a while ago stopped playing. Like I'm, I rarely play solo these days because I usually have the friend online that wants to join. It's just. Funnily enough, multiplayer games are more fun with friends. I mean, who would have thought, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played ships. Um, if we don't count one game in co-op that I played a few days ago when I, uh, I think it was Tuesday, I tried to see if my eyes will handle World of Warships. My eyes would have none of it. And the RNG missing abroad, well, not missing, but shells flying all over the place, shooting a broad sighting point blank, Yamato just, made me immediately remember why I enjoy playing this game on an everyday basis. Um, uh, if we disregard that one test game, I can't remember the last time I played this ship in my free, uh, ship, this game in my free time. And I can't possibly know the reason why I would ever want to do it. And it didn't used to be the case. I used to spend half a day streaming and then making some YouTube content and then popping on Twitch taking a look who's live and then seeing if they have space in the division and go play with them and have fun. Uh, I can't remember the last time I've done that. Uh, I can't remember what was the last test ship I ever played. It was that long ago. I have no idea. I can't remember what was the last uh, uh, feedback form that I, that I filled in for them because what's the point anyway? It's like, it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. True. And it's such a great game. Yeah, I mean, the sad part is I still have fun with it. I mean, I wouldn't be playing it otherwise. I still, when I stream it, I still enjoy it. Yeah. There's way too many things that irritate me to, 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 to say it as simple as you just did. <laughs> I, mean, I, I definitely don't play more than a couple of games in each ship. There just isn't the time these days. Like even even as someone that does try and look at the at least some of the test ships. Like they they, they do just give you so many uh, so many to, to go through that like I almost feel sorry for the super testers because they probably don't get to just play normally. All they have to do is there's just so many test ships for them to go through. I I would love to know why super testers do it though. If it if it's not the obvious uh prestige Hmm. Even though I hate to break it to you and uh, and I hate to be the one who sounds disrespectful or anything like that, 
but from what I've seen, the community overall does not have a high opinion of super testers. So if you're only doing it for prestige and you have these tons and tons of games that you have to do in order to keep being a super tester, I don't know, man. I really question why you're doing it. I know why we did it, because we thought we could make a difference. We we could show our audiences, which was our job, uh, uh, new content that's upcoming, and everybody wants to do that. But if you're a super tester, you can't do that. You are under NDA. You can't show squat. And and you're probably not even a content creator yourself. So why are you doing it? <laughs> that's my question. Like, why? Well, I mean, if if there is like a, a beta for a game or there is a beta for an expansion or there's some early access stuff, a lot of people want to, to just be the first to take a look at it. Or if you're really into a game, like, I mean, it could doesn't have to be Warships if you were really into an MMO and there is like a beta for, for an upcoming expansion. A lot of people will be just really interested in just to, to first see it or get the hands-on experience. So I guess if you're really passionate, I can totally see why you'd want to be a super tester, right? And if you have enough time on your hands anyway. I mean, why not? Yeah. Well, I could give you a 101 reason why not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but sure, I guess I can see... Uh... I mean, yeah, sure. If you're really, really into it, yeah, that, that's all the reason you need. But I know that a lot of people um, that are not satisfied with the game are doing it. And I feel it's just because, I don't know, my friends are community contributors or, or this and that. I need to be something to, to be relevant. And it's like you're just torturing yourself, dude. I mean... People shouldn't really set out to be a community contributor to be a community contributor. You should set out to do it for yourself. You should you should set out to start creating content because you want to do it, because mm -hmm. you find it funny, because you want to interact with people, because you want to grow your – create and grow your communities and your channels. And then being a community contributor is just going to happen on its own. It's like becoming a Twitch partner or – or or something. It's like you just do your stuff and eventually guess what? You ticked all the lines, you, you crossed all the checkpoints. Here you go. Now you're this. And, and and somebody approaches you or you're big enough that you think you might be able to approach somebody and become. Um like you shouldn't try to be something just so you you have that title because what's the purpose of the title then? And and I'm guessing with Super Tester, it's like, yeah, sure, you're Super Tester, good for you. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> with all with all due respect, I feel sorry for every single Super Tester out there. Well, I mean, they, they are doing it voluntarily, sir. So. Yeah, of course, they are doing it voluntarily, but but they have it harder than we do. Like, I as a community contributor, I, I think I, I can say that that they have it harder than we do. We don't have to play test stuff they absolutely have to and they have these norms and stuff that they have to fill and and feedback like they have to do all the stuff that only the try hardest of cc's do voluntarily but they have to do it if they want to keep being super testers so i i really feel bad for them well i don't know they must be getting something out of it <laughs> mm, like what keep doing it i suppose like what and I'm back like, in I the day, they got some... the Alabama and a lot of yeah. hate for it. After <laughs> if five years being a super tester or whatever, and you get one ship, 
I mean, I suppose the thing with, like, even if you get, like we do, a certain amount of doubloons and premium time, if if you're all you're doing is spending all your time in warships playing test ships, then... No, then, but uh, that's, some that's kind it. of self-defeating almost. But that's it. If you're really hardcore into the game, you really want to play the game, you really enjoy playing the game, but you're doing it for yourself anyway, right? Yeah. So then I can kind of understand. You want to see the new content that's going to come out, and you're going to be playing the game in your free time for hours and hours every day, regardless. So why not as well put the time into new ships, besides the fact that maybe a bunch of them are going to be completely opposite of, you know, joy, and you might not want to spend 50 games playing something super boring, but you'll take one for the sake of the others, sure. But I know a bunch of people that, at least maybe some of them are still not, but they used to be super testers, and most of them were just like, oh, yeah, I became a super tester, woo! And then two weeks later, I'm not a super tester anymore. (laughs) It's like, what happened? (laughs) Bro, I can't do that. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of a chop. It's uh, you, you go in probably thinking it's going to be a plus, and then you figure out it's basically an unpaid chop. It, it's the mm. chore, yeah. Well, time-wise, it's getting on a bit. I mean, <laughs> just before we started, Flying Bass was asking, so how, how, how long do you think we'll go for? And Eitan's answer as well. Uh, you know, we, we're in for about an hour, but usually it's more like an hour and a half, and we absolutely have met that, if not gone over an hour and a half at this point. Slightly. No? Fine. Uh, I, I don't know if there's, if, if there's any other pressing things people want to talk about, but <coughs> I think we've probably got far off wrapping this up now. Yeah, I think we covered about everything we wanted to talk about. It was a bit of a ranty episode, but sometimes you do need to be a bit ranty. Well, Wargaming has just given us a lot to rant about the last week, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, that's what they're that's what they're best at. Fuel for the fire. All right, so where whereabouts can we do do anything other than Twitch Flambass to you know like YouTube? Well, I mean... or- on social media stuff. I don't know. You might do Instagram or TikTok for a while. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and OnlyFans. Oof, that's my that's my favorite. <laughs> no, I mean I, I release pretty much everyday content on YouTube, and I have a Twitter and a Discord channel, pretty big one as well. Uh, so that that's about it. If you want to come and join, there's a Discord channel. If you want to watch games of various different ships on pretty much everyday basis there's a youtube and if you want to see pictures of my cats and and some stuff that occasionally happens there's my twitter but it's you fine. should have, you should have you should have given us some some cat pictures that start so we could have had your your cats on the screen as well as ask our cats <laughs> yeah okay. i i actually only saw that like noticed uh, uh, a little bit ago, and I was like, yeah, I have two cats that could have been there too, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, so uh, I guess you can wrap this up then. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks, Flambas, for joining us. It has been a pleasure. Well, thank you and for inviting me. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.